0: Morning everyone, this is Tuesday's
1: edition, 13 degrees, currently heading for a top just of 16, we're going to get up to 10 mils of rain, it is drizzling right here at our SEN studios at Optus, hopefully you are safe and warm and dry for the best part if you're listening to our show, wherever you're listening, maybe on SEN Spirit 621, thanks for your company. Big show. It is time to pause the AFL season, I'm saying that straight off the top. Tonight, South Australia goes into lockdown after another handful of COVID cases reigniting concerns for the City of Churches. 78 new cases in New South Wales, taking their total active numbers beyond 1,400. Victoria's five-day lockdown has been extended by another seven days, nine new cases today. And albeit Queensland just had one new case, they have 36 active at present. Here, in WA, our concern is with a ship from overseas docked in the port with a number of positive cases. Our Premier says they will quarantine on board to keep the rest of the WA community safe. So the country is once again in the grip of another COVID outbreak. And whilst I enjoy having sport to watch and lying on the lounge, and in some cases attend and commentate, I think it is time for the AFL to take a break. They have done a remarkable job getting the comp 18 rounds in. So with just five rounds to go and finals remaining, and barely over halfway through this year, we have enough fat in the system and credits in the AFL bank to recalibrate from now. The stress and strain on clubs, players, coaches, and I'm sure the AFL head office would be nearing breaking point. Forget about broadcast partners for now. Forget about members for now. Corporates and sponsors. We can all make up for lost time once we ride out this current wave of COVID. Sydney and the Giants are prime examples of a compromised competition. Players withdrawn just minutes before a game. Some forced to play two games in two days. Huge numbers of important staff forced into self-quarantine, lockdown. The playing field in the AFL is no longer even. The risks are too high. The bottom line cost to the AFL, charter flights, hotel accommodation, resort accommodation can only be crippling the bank. For what reason? We are in the grips of a pandemic and while the AFL, partners, clubs, players and families are being pushed to the brink for our entertainment. I think the time has come to be fair for all, to stop, to breathe, to reset, replenish and prepare for a run home which would be fair and reasonable for all. Push this too far, and I'm concerned for the long-term damage of not so much the game, because it will always survive, but more so the players and those closely connected. This is Sporting Goss. 13, 12, 55, if you have an opinion, or 0487 736. 736. We're safe for the time being right here in Perth, but the rest of the country at the moment is on an edge. Kane Corns is on an edge because back in July 3, 2020, he said that Carlton got the Sam Walsh pick wrong. He's not going to be the damaging player they think, he said. In fact, I can paraphrase it, but this is exactly what Kane Corns said July 3 last
2: year. He's not a damaging AFL footballer and and Carlton fans can scream from the rooftops all they like, but he kicked it at 56% last night. His metres gained, is down. He looks to be handballing the ball and isn't going to be the damaging footballer that Carlton fans believe and have told me that he's going to be. They got that pick wrong and I think the Carlton fans probably need to admit that.
1: Well, we know that Sam Walsh is a bona fide star of the game. Last night on Footy Classified on Channel Nine, Kane
3: Corns said this: "He's getting better by the week, Kane, which is unfortunate. (laughs) Unfortunate for you. And I see, I see in games now when he's playing well." Your Twitter feed absolutely blow up. The, the oh. AFL on 9 Twitter handle absolutely melts. We, we hate a pile on this show. We, we don't stand for it. You did walk back your comments in April. I don't think enough people saw them no, no, at the time. I did. I think just a simple multiple choice might be a way to put a, a footnote on this. i try and be friendly and keep it as simple as I can. Did Kane, do you think, A, wildly and comprehensively underestimate Sam Walsh's match-winning ability in the dominant force he would become when he bagged him million in his career? B, <laughs> outlandishly overplay the current potential starter of Connor Rosey, his fellow Port Adelaide
0: identity. Or C, all of the above, oh my my of
4: <laughs>
2: Well, I'm you have a, a allowed on that to cake? answer this. Yeah, I'm, I'm just going to go with A. So I, I did say he's going to be a 250 multiple Australian best and fairest when everyone forgets that. But I did underestimate his ability. He's making me look foolish the longer the weeks goes on. So, Sam... Tip my cap. Sorry, I'll select A. Hey, I still believe Connor Rosie's gonna be a starter. Even your dad rang you today, didn't he need To tell you to go easy. <laughs> on. Dad rang me for the first time in a month. He said, Hey son, I just reckon you've got to walk back those Sam Walsh comments. I said, hey, yeah. oh, I think I did that in April. I'm with you on Rosie, though. He'll come good. Don't worry about that.
1: <laughs> That's Craig Hutchison leading the march last night on footy classifier on nine. So the question we asked today is: fresh from those comments, making Kane corns look stupid on Sam Walsh, we want to know. Who has made you look a little silly? And I take it to the bank here with Sean Darcy. I didn't think he would be the player he was. I know big men should take time. I should have been a bit more patient, but Sean Darcy has certainly got egg on my face because of it. That was my bad call. What is your bad call? On the Twitter, G.S. Smith said, Steve Smith won't make it as a test cricketer with that technique, he said. Riley Morgan, got in your morgues, life of Riley. You'll hear him on Thursday. Zach Bailey. Ed Healy says, I rang SEM preseason, suggesting Jack Revolt would be in his last season and may actually retire mid-season. He's just signed a new deal and kicked six and played game 300. Jack Johnston agreed with me, said Sean Darcy. There it is there. We want to know which player has made you look stupid. 131255 or text 0487 736 736. It's an honour system. Come up and be honest. Let us know which player... It doesn't have to be footy, but if it is for the best part, let us know. Which player has made you look stupid? 0487 736 736. Not just AFL affected by this COVID crazy world we're in. Also, of course, Suncorp Super Netball. Sue Gordian is from the West Coast Fever. She joins us online. Sue, you are meant to be heading to Adelaide. Uh, Welcome. What's the status?
5: Uh, Yeah, no, definitely not going to Adelaide. So 7am flight cancelled this morning. We got news of that late last night. That had something to do more with uh, us not being able to enter South Australia because we hadn't been there. Uh, We hadn't been back from Victoria for 14 days. So that all went a bit pear-shaped last night, but probably icing, wasn't it, on the cake today, the announcement of the lockdown. Mm. So uh, very lucky that we're not there. And now we just sit and wait.
1: Where's the competition at, Sue, across the board in regards to COVID? It is crazy. I've been watching, in particular, the G uh, the Giants uh, girls who say, you know, three states in four days or four states in three weeks. So I'm not exactly sure the numbers. It's mm. all a bit crazy. Mm. It's incredibly difficult. And let, let us just reaffirm this. These girls, albeit some are paid handsomely to play and some are internationals and looked after, for the best part, a lot of these have jobs. They have studies. They're not like... For the best part, the AFL players who have played handsomely and really are 24-7 full-time footballers. How difficult is it for the players and, and the working staff to to be in this situation in regards to netball?
5: Yeah, I, look, you know what? You couldn't put that better front and centre. I think, you know, on one hand, we want the season to go. We want to, you know, we want to continue to do. Girls are paid in theory for the best part. It is part or is their job. So you know we want the season to go ahead, but this hurts people. This hurts players. Probably 40 to 50 percent of every club would have players that, you know, by having to shift states and 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 keep the league and and you know the season going, they're they're losing they're losing jobs, they're losing dollar. That's that's tough. And don't get me wrong, I appreciate that COVID impacts everyone everywhere, but the reality of the situation is this is our jobs. So and to some of the girls, they have to substitute their netball job. With other work, and that now comes, uh, that now becomes quite delicate for some of the players. So it's certainly, certainly very worrying. Um, as for where we are, Goss mate, well, to be honest with you, I don't know. It was frightening. I was in a league meeting at nine am this morning with over two hundred players and staff, uh, being updated by Kelly Ryan, our new CEO, and literally right in the middle of that meeting. SA went into lockdown. So uh, the faces of 200 people in that meeting went colourless. It was, it was a tough moment. Do you have any,
1: and I know your playing squad is not as deep as, you know, AFL lists and cricket lists and rugby league lists, um, but do you have players on your list who you think might say,
5: I can't travel or don't want to take the risk for whatever reason? Look, you know, we're really mindful of that. I think I can only speak on behalf of our club, West Coast Fever. At this particular point in time, no. Um, we, we are doing everything we possibly can to manage. I think our coach, Stacey Marikovic, has set a really um, uh, fluid and flexible environment. That's the mentality that we've had to take. Um, you know, we, we certainly haven't had it as tough as some other clubs in the last few weeks. But in the first seven rounds of the season, we had to travel five of our seven games away. So it's hard. You can't kind of... It's oranges and apples at the moment. But certainly at this point in time, uh, West Coast Fever are ready to do what is required. If we need to hop on a plane, if we are asked to go into quarantine, then we obviously need to do that. We'll consider all options on the table. Um, And at the moment, we've got a playing group that's in in full support and hoping to do everything we can to fulfil the season. And... um, you know, ideally come away with the premiership.
1: So, Gordian, our guest on Sporting Goss, we're talking about uh, the situation that is facing our National Netball League as well. Mark McGowan's uh, Twitter feed has just come through. Following the detection of new local cases in South Australia, we are upgrading our border controls to keep our state safe. Effective immediately, South Australia has been reclassified as a low-risk jurisdiction. Anyone travelling to WA from South Australia will be subject to strict conditions, including 14 days self-quarantine and mandatory testing. So um, they're not wasting any time there. Um, Why do we need to play out the season right now? I've just opened up with a fairly strong piece in regards to, I think the AFL has got to a point now that I think they've squeezed the lemon as far as they can with accessibility for cost factors, for the mental health of players and partners and families and staff. I think they're ahead of the curve in the competition in the AFL and it's time to reset, recalibrate. Do you think that might be the case? And was that the general messaging coming out of that meeting today or are they desperate to get to the end of the year?
5: Oh, do you know what? I don't think any option's off the table, Goss. I think probably as of today, maybe that option becomes a little bit more um, worth considering. But say yesterday, no, that wasn't an option on the table. Certainly the intent was to move teams into South Australia. We've got five teams currently based there, us here in WA and two teams based in Queensland. We were looking at a condensed season. We're certainly very mindful that we probably can't keep running away from COVID around the country. It continues to chase us, and at the moment, it's caught us. So um, I think, you know, again, you've got to look at the nature and the behaviour of states. WA and South Australia are two states that get on top of things quickly and lock down things quickly. At the moment, as I speak at 10, 15 in the morning, mm. my gut will be that the league may need to go on pause for a week. Um, and the key thing would be now seeing whether or not we have the ability to get an exemption to train in South Australia, which would allow the five teams based there the ability to train under quarantine conditions. I think that would be probably the most likely outcome here and that the weekend's fixture goes on pause and then we come out the back of the next few days and see whether SA have been able to control the situation and maybe look at a midweek fixture next week. So I think no options are off the table. I don't think we're at the point of pausing i oh, sorry, we're not at the point of closing the season out yet, but I think a pause is very, very, very possible.
1: So, Gordian, and our guest, last one for you, Sue. I know you, you know, you have a role in Nine's Wildwater Sports in commentary as an expert and a game by game, a pass by pass caller, but also very much at the at the head of the operation there at West Coast Fever, um, with the team and and the 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 organic nature of of the team and how it operates. I'm just want to ask you. How are you? Because I know mm. you. I know how taxing this can be. I've worked with you. I know you personally. And it's an incredible roller coaster that a lot of people are running with at the moment. Now, you can put on a brave face and be a commentator and be the face of, and you come on the phone right now and take our call and set the tone for the West Coast fever. But I can imagine what it's like. I can't imagine, sorry, what it's like behind the scenes. How are you, Sue in?
5: Well, firstly, thank you for asking because I think sometimes a lot of the administrators get forgotten about. I'm going fine, Goss. Certainly, it is tough and and I will say that when I took on the job on the 1st of February, never did I imagine uh, this beast uh, prevailing the way that it is. But um, you have your moments and and no doubt everyone has their moments. And um, for me, it's, it's about keeping balanced. At the end of the day, we definitely want, the league and the season, uh, the season to go ahead, and the league to be able to do everything it can. But it's a game of sport, and life is way more important. And at the end of the day, you know the, the health and well-being of everyone becomes paramount. As I said to you before, our club is well positioned at the moment. We feel good, but we can't control how other clubs are feeling. Um, and I certainly know that there are people in my position around the country that are struggling. It's tough. It is exceptionally tough, and you're having to make very high risk impactful decisions in very short periods of time and often with minimal information and that's probably the most taxing part because it's the knock-on effect that that can have so um yeah it's it's not a job that i think it's made for everyone but you know at the moment i'm going okay um if i get my chance to commentate and bring the sport alive the one thing i'm always mindful of is that there are people around the country that are locked down and the smallest chance to watch a bit of sport on TV. I think it gives a smile to a lot of people's faces. I watched the footy on the weekends and, you know, I was chatting with my brother in Melbourne and he's in lockdown and he was loving every moment of it. So sport plays a critical part in the landscape of COVID, in my opinion, and we just got to do whatever we can to keep it going. And, yeah, I'm okay, mate. I'm fine. Good on your suit, appreciate
1: your time. Thanks for keeping us updated in regards to the West Coast Fever and also the Suncorp Super Netball and the theme that's running through that competition at the moment. Thanks for joining us. Stay safe. Thanks, Goss. Cheers, mate. Tough. 19 after 10. This is the Sporting Goss
0: Sporting Goss with Tim Gossage. Today's the day. Um, running outside on the track now. Keep that.
6: Mara's thirty sixth birthday. We've gone on twenty one, so let's get it ready. Yeah. <laughs> Three, two, one. Happy birthday
2: to you.
0: Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday dear. Mar- happy birthday to you.
1: Well, wow, if you ever wanted to be inspired by a birthday song. <laughs> Happy birthday to you. Nice work, night. That's for David Mundy. That was the Dockers singing 36th birthday. And also, it's my mum's birthday today. Happy birthday to Vovie.
0: Hey.
1: Uh, we went around there last night. We'll go around again today and the festival will continue. David Muddy, 36, still going strong, albeit coming off probably his worst game for the year, but he played like a tired man. But he will be back and uh, they'll take on Sydney wherever that game will be played and when it will be played. In fact, it's been moved to a very early start Perth time on Sunday against the
7: Sydney Swans. Chris Clifunis is in the studio. Good morning. Good morning. Up and about after that happy birthday rendition. Oh right. no,
1: you know it,
7: it can be flat, can't it? If you if you start slow, mm. it's very hard to get the rhythm to get it quicker. You've got to start yeah. quick. Start quick, start strong. Instead, they kind of just repeated the same line happy in the same birthday.
1: monotone.
7: <laughs> I think you've got more melody than yeah, all of the guys did earlier. Anyway, happy birthday to David.
1: Muddy. Muddy. He has spoken to the media, and we'll be hopefully hearing from him a little bit later in the show. What else has been going on?
7: Oh, just this uh, question about getting, when you've been wrong about a player, I guess. Um, I know a good mate of mine is a, um, well, he's he's had to eat his words a number of times on Ethan Hughes, the Fremantle Dockers defender. Has he made
1: it, Ethan Hughes?
7: He hasn't made it. No, not at all. But he whacked him every single chance he could get last season, the season before, just couldn't stand him. Then it was. What do you this, say?
1: Couldn't stand him. Couldn't couldn't, couldn't stand the way he
7: played, the way he uh, defended, <laughs> kicked the ball, anything. Literally anything about him. <laughs> couldn't couldn't really? uh, couldn't stand it. I thought, mate, you're being a little bit harsh. He started off these first the first what six games or so of the season in pretty good nick. Yep, and he already backtracked. He wasn't in impeccable form, but he backtracked hard. He's like, oh, maybe I was wrong about Ethan Hughes. <laughs> yeah. like, Come on, mate, jump off the fence. I, I like Ethan Hughes. I think he's got a great
4: body
1: shape. I think you know. I think he he's courageous. I'm not sold that Ethan Hughes. Oh, I, comp- I don't think your
7: mate's 100% wrong, but that's an interesting take. I just <laughs> liked the part that he backtracked on it immediately after seeing a bit of good form. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Anthony on the text, and, and we are asking 0487 736 736. On the back of Kane Corn's getting it so wrong with Sam Walsh. I've got it wrong with Sean Darcy. I I will admit that. Anthony says, Josh Rotham. I said he won't play five AFL games. Now he's a regular in the back line. He did get dropped a couple of weeks ago, which was a bit of a surprise, but he was pretty good on the weekend. Uh, Mike is a a regular. Good on you, Mike. Mike from Palmyra. He says, I agree on your take. We need to look at life rather than just footy, um, which is really, really nice. And he said... Uh, my bad call is getting Jesse Hogan to Frio. I thought he would be our saviour since Pav, unfortunately, not so. No, Jesse's been one big disappointment. But he's had a few circumstances that have led to that. But he's trying to restart at the GWS Giants, his third club. Where have you got it wrong, Chris Klafunis?
7: I've been trying to rack my brains. There's been little ones, like very niche ones about Arsenal players that I've, I have mm-hmm. I get wrong every single time because I get caught up in the hype. Yeah. I remember there was one defender, Callum Chambers, uh, a few years ago when he kind of first came onto the scene I read an article about him, and they were like, oh, he's got all the potential to be a great centre-back or full-back and maybe move into the midfield. And in my head, I was like, oh, I think I even said it on radio. He could be the next Philipp Lahm, one of the great footballers of our generation, legend for Germany and Bayern Munich. I said, he could be the next Philipp Lahm. He's still at Arsenal. He's been in and out of the team massively. He's 26-something now. He's barely played. He's. Uh, I got that one very, very wrong. That was Callum Chambers. So that was a very niche one. I can't think of one where it's been a a local or a big name player I'm usually I'm usually banging on the money goss do you <laughs> do you think I would be wrong
1: and now I'm opening myself up here and I'm you know I'm trying to temper my enthusiasm in parts
4: sure
1: I'm still not sold here we go on Adam Chera on oh, no, um I don't think Adam Chera is anywhere near held in the value bracket that everyone says he's worth. I, I am just not. Yes, he uses the ball well, but I'm not sell the farm type of guy for him. Um, I also said that I thought the Tim Kelly purchase was a good purchase and I still think it could be. I thought he was good again on the weekend. He hasn't had a huge run at it with injuries in the last, you know, for this season. Mm. And he's had some outstanding games. But, you know, for what they did, turned over to get him, so I might be sort of wrong there. But in regards to the modern, the current players and what their value is worth, and I don't care what they get paid. That doesn't bother me one bit in the slightest. But I am not sold on Adam Chera being in the upper echelon of AFL players. For me, he, here I go, <laughs> he looks a dime a dozen type footballer to me. I yeah. there's a few, there's quite a lot of Adam Cheras going
7: around. Uh, you're echoing my sentiments exactly. Okay. I've spoken about with my mates a number of times. So I think okay. you're right. I think he's... I mean, he's a, he's a very good footballer. Solid player. Very no good doubt. footballer. Good quality
1: human being.
7: And I think we played it on Gillian Goss recently, maybe even on Sporting Goss. Don't sell the farm for Adam Chero because there are midfielders like him in the competition that you can get into your side for a lower amount of coin. will need a Ruckman. On. Fremantle need a Ruckman. I've needed one for a little while. Sean Darcy's been great,
1: but he, it, Lloyd Meek is, you know, and again, I'm not saying Lloyd Meek's not going to make it because I dare say <laughs> people like <to> take <laughs> yeah, time back. Of the day. I don't think Lloyd Meek's great shakes either. Tabner injury prone up forward. Lob wants out. Um, Gold Coast. Look, bottom line is they need a Ruckman who's ready to go. It's not one they can spend five years training. They need to go and source a Ruckman. And right now... To allow a development of a young ruckman somewhere in their back blocks, I seriously, seriously believe they should try and get Nathan Vardy. Nathan Vardy, yep. that is a huge call. They should make a pitch for Nathan Vardy. Great for Vards, and I think Vardy's happy. He's a premiership player yeah. at, uh, at West Coast. He should. He's more than happy to stay there, and he's got a role to play. But I think what Nathan Vardy is doing at West Coast waffle. Uh, and that allows you know your Bailey Williams to go through and a couple of other tools to to develop Harry Edwards. Mm. Vardy is the building block
7: for the next generation of young ruckman, and I think he could do. They could do a lot worse than trying that to get a him big call. Hit. Not the name I was expecting to come out of your mouth, but uh, I like that. I'd like to hear our listeners' thoughts as well, Goss. I'm really looking forward to this audio being replayed couple of months down the track, a year down the track, and just seeing how wrong <laughs> we've actually been with Adam as a Brownlow medalist. He won't be a Brownlow medalist. <laughs> uh, and on the line, thank you very much, trade Chera for Bolton, and agree with Goss,
1: Chera's not as good as Brayshaw or Sarong. It is uh, 28 from 11, it's time now to get some SENWA news.
0: Sporting Goss with Tim Gossage.
1: Thank you, for Austin. In the newsroom, Mitch Cleary reporting Adelaide and Port Adelaide are bound for Melbourne this afternoon. Both teams preparing to fly out of South Australia right now. Both scheduled to play Victorian-based opponents this weekend. Keep an eye out on afl.com.au or make sure you're listening and everyone's now saying, yeah, well, you're going from one lockdown to another, it is time to pause the season. Your thoughts always open 0487 736 736 13 12 55. My take will be posted on socials very, very shortly. But now it's time to do this.
0: Now on Sporting Goss, it's time for Useless AFL Stats.
1: We do it on a Tuesday. This is Useless AFL Stats with our man Aaron Delaport. You can follow them on Facebook. Dell, appreciate your time. We're still picking ourselves up off the floor after last Thursday night's very disappointing Fremantle
4: showing. Yeah, Tim, good morning. Round 18 started with the Fremantle clash against Geelong, which in a very disappointing effort by the home team, they registered just 280, sorry, 299 disposals being a season low. It was also the first time this season that have had a game where not one player was able to have more disposals than their age. 21-year-old Andrew Brayshaw with just 21 disposals was the best for them in that respect. Geelong, who went into the match with eight players over 30, obviously have a much harder task in terms of this stat. They have, done, they have had the most games this year without achieving more disposals than their age. They've done this five times. To show you how much tougher it is for them, they had a total of 414 disposals in a round 14 win against the Bulldogs, but every player in the team came up short against their age.
1: All righty. So, yeah, it was a very, very flat night for the Purple Army. Is Don, is good.
4: Yeah, an unfortunate injury to Essendon youngster Harry Jones paved the way for a special slice of AFL history, with the Bombers having debutante Sam Durham Joined in the side by Braden Ham as a late replacement and the experienced forward Devon Smith, also in the team. The Bombers became the first AFL team to have three players with deli meat in their name all in the same lineup. <laughs> Ham and Durham both had good matches. However, Devon, which us West, West Aussies would know as Polony, <laughs> might have been a bit off. He had just the six disposals. Uh, for the older listeners, they remember, may remember Essendon being sponsored by Don Smallgoods back in the late 70s and early 80s, so it might just be time for the Bombers to rekindle that partnership.
1: Ah, Nice work. That's very, very clever, is Don is a good. Connor West made his debut for the Eagles and a successful one it was.
4: Yes. Um, Connor West, the son of former Sandover medalist Robbie West, he played for West Coast and the Western Bulldogs, definitely had a great debut on the weekend. He picked up 19 disposals. Unfortunately, he fell just shy of a special AFL record held by Matthew Richardson, who had 20 disposals on debut. Richo, as he is known, the son of Alan Richardson, and both played for Richmond. So Richo holds the record for a father-son who shares his name with his club in having the most disposals on debut. However, the good news for Connor West was that he did do better than the other father-son, In Riley West, the son of Scott West, who had 14 disposals for the Western Bulldogs in his debut.
1: Ah, nice work. I totally get that. So, yeah, it was a very good debut. And Robbie West like to acknowledge that he did kick a goal in his debut for the Eagles. And Connor didn't, despite they had a couple of goes at it. The Sydney Swans, they sweep the West.
4: Yeah, congratulations must go to the Sydney Swans, who have become the first AFL team to beat the three West Dame teams in consecutive weeks. Of course, in round 16, they beat West Coast by 92. Round 17, they defeated the Western Bulldogs by 19. And on Sunday, they turned around a quarter-time deficit to overpower the greater Western Sydney Giants by 26 points. In a sign of the times, they also beat all three West teams in the East, winning in Geelong at GMHBA, in Melbourne at Marvel, and on the Gold Coast on the weekend at Metricon.
1: Ah, yes, certainly was. Uh, so, yep, they... Taken all before them, and all of a sudden, they are a genuine premiership contender, the Sydney Swans. All right, rattle off some memorable moments for round 18.
4: Yeah, so the useless AFL stats team recognised several memorable moments from round 18. On Friday night, we saw Jack Rewalt become just the second player to kick six goals in his 300th game, joining Eddie Betts, who also did it. Aaron Hall had an amazing zero contested possessions, but 28 kicks to break the record held by former kangaroo Aaron Mullett, who had 26 kicks without a contested possession. Callum Wilkie kicked his first score in an AFL game, registering behind in the second quarter for St. Kilda in his 58th game. He was sitting third behind Tom Cleary on 109 games and the forgotten Joel Hamling, 86 games for the most AFL games without a score. His effort was barely noticed by any teammates, although Eddie Maguire did try and pump it up at the time. (laughs) However, our most memorable moment was that produced by Sam Walsh, who with a career best, 39 disposals, and a match-winning goal was rightly awarded the full 10 coaches' votes in the boys' win over Collingwood. However, all that pales into significance compared to the heat map that was proudly displayed mm. on the AFL app. <laughs> Without giving the show an MA rating, we can say it was very phallic, and listeners can either check it out on the AFL app or our Facebook page. The dimensions of the heat map. Pekka, scale out at about 70 metres from base to tip across the centre of the MCG. And I received a bit of a curious look from the better half when I was thinking through (laughs) the dozen or so inbox heat map messages sent to us from our fantastic followers. So I've seen seen that uh, heat map everywhere now.
1: Yes, um, great achievement by Sammy Walsh. Um, Is the heat map genuine?
4: Yes. Definitely.
1: Wow. Aaron Delaport yeah, from Useless AFL Stats. Yes, it is s- astonishing and has certainly gone viral, so to speak. We'll do it again next week. Thanks, Tim. Useless AFL stats. Follow them on Facebook and Delaport. Aaron Delaport joins us each and every Tuesday here on the Sporting Goss.
0: Sporting Goss with Tim Gossage. It's
1: time's like- 15 away from the top of the hour. Keep the calls coming. 13, 12, 55, or 0487736736. 736. Who have you written off? Who's put egg on your face? Plenty of coming in. Of course, Sam Walsh, Sean Darcy, Josh Rotham is another one. Steve Smith in the world of cricket. Speaking of cricket, let's get our next guest online. Jamie Cox has been appointed as MCC Assistant Secretary. That's cricket and operations. And he replaces a gentleman by the name of John Stevenson who is leaving the MCC after 17 years at Lords. And, of course, we're talking about the Marleybone Cricket Club. Jamie, first of all, welcome to the show and congratulations. G'day, Tim. Lovely to join you. Uh, yeah, thanks very much. This is big. When was, the, when was the last time an Australian took a role of such significance in world cricket, especially at the home of cricket, Lords?
8: Yeah, well, there is actually – funny you should say that – there is a bit of history um, – so Keith Bradshaw, uh, you know, CEO at the South Australian Cricket. Uh, Keith was formerly the CEO of the MCC going back a while. And Tony Dottimate, who I think was CEO over at the WACA uh, for a period of time before yep. becoming CEO of Victorian Cricket. Uh, Dottie, I think, might have been in the same role that I'm about to undertake uh, before John Stevenson all those years ago. So, or a wow. similar role anyway. So there, there is a bit of Australian history over there. and uh, They're big shoes to fill.
1: What is the role exactly? Tell it. Tell our listeners exactly what is the role, because I'm looking. I'm, I'm, I've tried to get my head around the various parts of it, the various elements of it. A lot to do with yep. the spirit of cricket, isn't it? It's and the, and the rules of the game. It's not almost. It, when you see the word cricket and operations, you think about you know fixtures and 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 the like. But it runs a bit deeper than that. It runs to the
8: core of the game. Yeah, it does. Um, it, it, it is complex. I'll give you a very quick snapshot. <laughs> so so effectively, Tim, the MCC uh, are the guardians of the rules of the, of the laws of the game and the spirit of cricket. So in effect, uh, that is one of the duties. Uh, the other major part of the role is that, of course, the major asset of the MCC is Lord's Cricket Ground. They own the ground and therefore um, look after the ground. So my role is, Dual uh, is to oversee the MCC cricket program. Uh, the MCC are the most active cricket club in the world. They play over 500 games of cricket every year um, at all sorts of levels and across all countries, with a major brief to grow the game uh, and and to grow the spirit of the game in particular. In addition to that, as the custodians and the owners of the ground at Lords, the other part of my role is to oversee the operations of Lords, which. Uh, Is also exciting to know for those who've been lucky enough to visit the ground. It's an incredible venue. Um, It's it's got some real magic around Lords, and therefore, yeah. So so the the second half of the job is to is to make sure that events at Lords run smoothly, which is you know equally exciting as overseeing the cricket program. So plenty to do, um, and looking forward to getting started. It's
1: been around a long time, uh, the MCC and Lords. Some would say if it's not broke, no need to fix it. Are there parts that you look at and go, no, it needs uh, it
8: needs fixing? Uh, probably one of the keys, I think, with the MCC is because they're so historical, um, they need to maintain relevance and they're always going to need to... You know, when you think of you know, cricket tragics like myself, Goss, would walk <laughs> into Lords and immediately you feel the history, but History alone doesn't run a great venue. You know, they've got to become very modern in their own way and service their members and, and run great events. Uh, so that in itself is, uh, is is a significant part of it. But in addition, um, you know, the cricket program. So the MCC, going back, let's say, 20 or 30 years, effectively, they were England cricket. They were English cricket. And in those days, you and I, our vintage, will remember English touring teams, touring yeah. as the MCC. They used yeah. to arrive in the Egg and Bacon Colours and uh, and play as the MCC. Now, what has happened, in effect, is that about that time, um, the ECB got created and took over the rights to the English game, if you like, or to, to run the England team um, with the MCC maintaining uh, its own assets, being you know the laws and spirit of the game, the ground, and of course they own the Ashes as well, which is another interesting little Twist, So it's, it is quite unique. Part of my challenge is going to be understanding where it fits inside the ecosystem in, in England but, and the world, world game for that matter, but also designing relevance and ensuring that it has its own niche and still playing a significant role in the future of the game.
1: Jamie Cox, our guest, recently appointed as the MCC Assistant Secretary of Cricket and Operations. Uh, of course, at Lord's, been around cricket for a long time. Been around football as you're in an administrative role as well. More recently, of course, at the St Kilda Football Club. Um, as an Australian, a died in the wool uh, Tasmanian, and you did play English county cricket for Somerset, of course. Do you go in as an Australian who still, wet, you know, still a fan of the baggy green, or do you have to cross to the dark side? <laughs>
8: No, you don't. I mean, you go in as a fan of the game and that's one of the real attractions of this role, Tim. It's, you know, the major brief of the MCC is to grow the game, is mm. to uh, and grow and protect the game. And that's something which is very dear to me. You know, I'll I'll no doubt have a lot of conversations and I'll, I'll share a venue basically with the ECB. So, you know, you, you can't deny there's going to be a close alignment with the English game, but, you know, you'll never, ever change my Australian ways Tim it's um you know they'll, they'll be interesting contests I think the next next Ashes over there is 2023 so uh it'll already have a circle around the calendar uh that'll be a a good fun moment to hopefully be at Lord's and and hosting an Australian Ashes series uh, in about 18 months time. You talk about the Australian way and being a, a dyed in the wool
1: Australian and a rusted on Aussie. Um, you would, like many of us, have been concerned with the way our cricket team was performing and going, uh, not just in regards to runs and wickets and catches, but probably their actions, and obviously that that was typified by what took place in South Africa. Have you been pleased with the way they've tried to recalibrate themselves under Justin Langer and Tim Payne? And I was interested to read that you think the the template of good sportsmanship and success – and renewed success and uh, a surge in um, quality is that of New Zealand.
8: I have said, I think in the press release, Tim, I'm an unashamed fan of the New Zealand game and the way that they approach it and the way that they've certainly played their cricket over the past decade, let's say. And I think there is room for a discussion around how the cricket is played, at the international level particularly, because, you know, cricket... Um, you know there is a preamble in the in the laws of the game which which addresses the spirit and that cricket should be a game that 's not only played within its laws but within the spirit of the game and this is challenged quite consistently, and I reckon there has been an agitation around the international game that we just need to consider and and see whether it 's how we want the game to be played i you know going back to your initial question i look i couldn 't think of two better men to be in charge of the rebuild I guess in Tim Payne who I've known for most of my journey in the game uh, and Justin who you know we were adversaries for a lot of years but have shared some great moments in retirement and I've got a lot of faith in both those men that they'll do what's right you know they'll certainly look to repair um, the reputation but probably also understand that what happened in South Africa sadly is always going to be sitting in the background so this is not just a this is not just a crusade. They're always going to have to keep their eye on the ball, so to speak, um, and make sure that you know Australian cricket is standing up uh, for what's right and, and playing the game in the right spirit, which doesn't mean you can't play it aggressively and tough, Tim, but um, there's a line that can't be crossed. 100%.
1: Jamie, last one before we let you go. I've got news bearing down on us. Do you get one of those funky ties and you're allowed to wear it? <laughs>
8: The egg and bacon is the colour of the MCC, Tim. So, yeah, no, undoubtedly I'll be uh, adorning that at some stage, proudly, for
1: sure. Do you get the funky jacket too? I've
8: seen a few jackets too. Not sure I'll go that far. Not sure how <laughs> far that tracks, but um, I'll certainly be donning the tie proudly.
1: Uh, nice work. Hey, Coxie, uh, you, you worked at St Kilda, but you, of course you were on Essendon's list, but you didn't play a game. Who do you bag for in footy before we let you go?
8: Well, I've always been a bulldog. Um, have oh. definite affinity for the Saints. Having you know, you can't work inside a, a football club without you know, be getting quite close to the operation and, and and trying to get on board. So I sort of share my allegiance, um, yeah. and I'll continue to do so. It's nice, nice to see the doggies going well, but uh, I'll also have half a you know half an eye on the Saints to make sure they can get what they, get down what they need to get done. Good on you, mate. Congratulations on your appointment. You take it up uh, in the
1: start of September. Uh, Let's hope it's a safe move over there. looks like uh, England are uh, getting things back on track, going a little bit better with their vaccination process than we are here in Australia. Thanks for your time. Yeah, yeah. thanks, Tim. Good to chat. Good on you. Jamie Cox, appointed MCC Assistant Secretary, Cricket and Operations. Sporting Goss with Tim Gossage. Coming up to the 11 o'clock news, big hour on the way after 11 o'clock. We'll be chatting with, of course, Harry Taylor will join us. He's up there in Northampton, had a small dash at East Tremantle. Tyson Beattie, Star Spangled Bantle will also join us. And also news just in that the Port Adelaide and Adelaide teams have been told to pack for five weeks and they're getting out of South Australia this afternoon. And Collingwood have responded on Twitter and said, so our game against Port Adelaide's not in Adelaide? Just asking for a friend. So in other words, no communication to the Pies. It is the world we're in at the moment. Let's take a break. This is Sporting Goss.
0: Sporting Goss with Tim Gossage.
8: He is
2: not a damaging AFL footballer and, and Carlton fans can scream from the rooftops all they like, but he kicked it at 56% last night. His metres gained, is down, he looks to be handballing the ball and isn't going to be the damaging footballer that Carlton fans believe and have told me that he's going to be. They got that pick wrong and I think the Carlton fans probably need to admit that.
1: Cain Corn said that July 3rd last year. How wrong has he been? Today, we ask you to be honest with us here on Sporting Goss. 0487 736 736. Or call, come on air, 13 12 55. Text 0487 736 736. Who have you got wrong. Sean Darcy for me, probably went a bit early thinking he wasn't going to be a number one ruckman, certainly proving me wrong. Had a number of people say Josh Rotham. Some said he thought Aaron Chera was a Brownlow medalist. I take it back. Gentleman said that uh, Jack Revolt should have retired midway through the year. Got that wrong. Six goals, man of the match, 300 games, new contract. Let us know. 0487 736 736 on the back of Cain Corn's declaring Sam Walsh wouldn't be a top choice. And he's a bona fide, one of the genuine stars of our competition. So here's your chance today. News also through from Brisbane waiting on confirmation. Lockie Neal left the training track with a bad shoulder injury. David Mundy, of course, is 36 today. He has confirmed that he is in negotiations with the Fremantle Football Club through his manager for a new contract extension. David Mundy did a press conference today on the eve of Game 300.
9: Yeah, it's obviously um, a lot of games, a lot of time, a lot of effort that's gone into it by myself and a lot of people surrounding me. So, um, yeah, it's obviously pretty special, but I always feel that the 50 milestones, 50, except for 150, 250, and now 350, are a little bit of a place card, just placeholder, waiting for the big hundreds. So now you see yourself on 400? Uh, possibly, yeah. I've always, I've said along the journey that I'm happy to play. I want to play as long as I can, as long as I'm um, contributing effectively on field. Um, I certainly feel like I'm doing that at the moment and pulling
2: out really well. Probably at a point in the season where sorting out something for next season probably would be relatively normal, I guess. So, you do wait to the end of the season, or are you looking
9: to sort it out now? Yeah, having those conversations, it's um, it's an ongoing, moving feast a bit. Um, obviously, with my age and the one year contracts and and. The, um, profile demographic, I guess, of, of our group um, comes into all those conversations. So, I'm um, just happy to be in a place where we're having conversations. So, Peter Bell didn't have anything waiting for you in your locker this morning? <laughs> well, I haven't seen him yet, actually, so maybe, but no, nothing yet. So at this point in your career, premiership player, is it in your thinking at all? Do you still hold those hopes? It's still a dream, absolutely. I still, um, that's why I come and rock up on a rainy Tuesday morning on my birthday to run around a footy field with 44 other sweaty blokes. Um, yeah, so it's still an absolute dream. Well, I guess it's kind
2: of, you know, there's the, the, the been always possible, I guess, in, in footy, but, I mean, do, do you feel like it is something that's within the scope of your career to, to achieve? Yeah,
9: I certainly feel like we're building as a group and as a club, and I, I feel like at our best, we are as good as any in the league, and I think we've demonstrated that at different times this year. Um, where we're focusing all of our attention on is that consistency both within games and within seasons um, and something that's, I think, growing. We had a little bit of a blip on the weekend, but, um, yeah, I think with our group moving forward, as you said, anything's possible, but, yeah, I think it's really encouraging signs for our fans and members.
2: Would you rather play played in Geelong or are you happy to go to the Gold Coast?
9: I'm <laughs> oh, happy to go anywhere, to be honest, and play an AFL game. It's still... Um, I still have to pinch myself that I get to run out and represent an AFL club and and such a great one like Fremantle, but I had a huge contingent going down to Geelong with a lot of family in in Victoria, um, slated a couple of weeks ago, but obviously that won't happen now.
4: You just referred to it as a blip, and you've been through so many ups and
9: downs here. What is required to sort of bridge that gap between best and worst, and is is it much of a gap? Um, Well, I don't think it is much of a gap. but in saying that, it's probably the hardest part of being a consistent um, you know, elite AFL team is that last little bit. I think we've got the we've a group of guys who are capable and I think it's that last, you can put any kind of percentage number you want on it, but that last little bit, you know, the mental preparation leading into games, the physical willingness to you know, put your body on the line in every contest within a game like that is, um, is always the hardest bit to get and something we're working really hard on. So you've seen the the cop gain that little extra bit when when in the year you got to the grand final through that era. Is it something you can anticipate, see at all? Yeah, I'm getting the, it's the same kind of feel in terms of um, the drive within our group. I feel like um, we certainly have a crop of younger players, a 20 to 24 year old bracket, who are really driving themselves and and driving the competition amongst the players and. Um, that willingness to get better every single day so certainly feel like the group is well placed to you know personally drive themselves through i think we've got a great coaching group that are guiding us really well um, teaching us a lot and really embracing the challenges and embracing this group and, and trying to you know you know difficult kind of period for all afl clubs with the shifting landscape um, you know guide us as best they can to game day
0: Every draftee wants to play uh, one game. How do you feel about playing 350?
9: Yeah, as I said, it's still uh, I still run out onto the field, especially home games in front of our Purple Army, and I still get goosebumps when we have a crowd and they, they roar as we come out onto the ground. So, yeah, it's, a, it's an absolute dream and a, a privilege to play uh, Fremantle, and I still really recognise it.
0: And obviously at the end of last year, there was a bit of a limbo with the list size uncertainty. Has that sort of played any motivation this year in the form you've been in?
9: Um, oh, I don't think so. No, I was, I've always been a diligent preparer and you know, the, the summer period in particular has always been a really important time for any player to physically prepare for a season to coming up and I've been really fortunate that I've only really had you know, one or two um, injury interruptions throughout my career that have kept me on the sidelines for any period of time. So um, yeah, I think my preparation throughout my entire career has really helped me you know, remain consistent.
0: And the boys obviously put in a great performance for
9: five two hundred the other week, Are you getting in their ear about doing the same things again. <laughs> yeah, it'd be lovely, uh, I think yeah obviously playing in milestones for anyone is, is a big deal, uh, and we recognize Nat in his week for his 200th. he's done a lot in his 200 games, and uh, it was a fantastic way for the club and the, and the fans to celebrate. Uh, Fantastic individual with a great club win. So yeah, hopefully we get another
2: one this week. You spoke about the Geelong game being a blip and wanting to build consistency to be a good side. Sydney have you know, had the challenges, for uh, yeah. the last sort of few days and week, but um, they're probably four, four line wise They're pretty, you know, going on pretty well. Uh, do you think coming out of this game you'll have a pretty good idea of where you do sit and how far there is to go
0: to bridge that gap? Yeah,
9: I think it's another significant challenge. I watched the Sydney game pretty closely on Sunday and. Um, They're not too dissimilar to Geelong in a sense in that they're uh, really hard on midfield, um, really capable back six that um, really help and support each other incredibly well. And a a potent forward line uh, with enough supply uh, capable of kicking a winning score against any team. So, yeah, it's another significant challenge for us. I think it's one of many that we've got in the back end of this season, but we're certainly not shying away from that. We're really up for the challenge and um, we, we feel like we can rebound really quickly after our last
1: <laughs> David Mundy preparing for Games 300. He celebrates his birthday and he's declared he has a new contract negotiation underway. So keep an ear and eye on that. One of the all-time good blokes of the game. It's 11 past 11. Chris Clifunis is in studio. Which we think with breaking news, I'm not exactly sure what you're coming in with. Is it just more speculation that Chris Konomites, who's turned his back on the Glory, who was going to the Western Sydney Wanderers, who you came in here and beat your chest that you had this exclusive yesterday? No, le- now we're led to believe. <laughs> now we're led to believe he's not going to. He's not going there. I said there were rumours that he was heading to
4: Western oh, Sydney mate, Wanderers. I
1: don't, mate. This show is not based on rumours, mate. This is a factual show. We're fresh, we're new, we're bright, we break stuff. We're all about the goss. Goss. Sporting goss. If you want to Sporting come into goss. this studio and you want me to unlock the door and take the latch off and come in here. Don't punce in here with your freshly washed hair, which you're sort of managing a little bit better. Could could be due for the um the dog groomer to um the dog groomer yeah. could <laughs> Yeah, it could be. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. think you went over the top last time. I think it was a bit silly.
7: Yeah, but it only took a week or two until it looked amazing, Mate, You're, only, didn't you're only
1: 24 hours, 48 hours oh, exactly. away from a good exactly. haircut. Exactly. <laughs> That's what
7: they say. So get it as short as possible. Okay. No, the male is, according yep. to Ray Gatt, who used to be ah, the chief football writer um, of the state. and Australia. I played cricket
1: together. Did, Did you? Yeah, good Gattie, man.
7: Yeah, Gatt is a really good fella. He's a ripper. Um, retired now, though, isn't he? Slow-moving
1: so... cricketer, though. We played cricket. Yeah. And uh, I was in New South Wales at the time. And um, If you were under a certain age, you had to wear a helmet, Sure. I think, and I would think I was under 21 or something, I Anyway, I had to wear a helmet, but he, he reckons it just impaired my vision of seeing the ball.
7: <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, he still keeps his ear to the ground, despite yeah. not uh, writing for any publications at the moment. He, he says does. the mail is, yes. the goss is, yes. Chris Economides will Where? sign with the Melbourne victory. Really? Yeah. Wow. Now, this is interesting as well, because it comes <laughs> on the back of um, some speculation yesterday around was that hocus pocus see i don't know okay. because it okay. popped up on social media so you never know
1: yeah you got to be careful so we have to be careful here so you showed me a apparently a facebook messenger conversation between the owner of the perth Wild, at uh, perth glory mm. tony sage and some who punter just some punter he would not engage in the conversation i reckon like he that. would sage nah. he
7: absolutely would no nah. nah. and not
1: to this extreme and if and if he has had this conversation with the bloke, and the bloke's gone and put it on social media, that is a dog act.
7: That is a dog act. I'll completely agree with you there. But we're going to read it out. What's the conversation? <laughs> <laughs> this uh, alleged conversation yeah. and not yeah. confirmed that yeah, it this is, is not actually Tony Sage. Tony and Sagey, you
1: know we love you, mate. We do love you. He bought the first, you know he bought the very first Western Front House, don't you?
7: Uh, I do, actually. A yeah, charity yeah, down there in Beirley. Yeah.
1: He bought the charity house that uh, we sold on the Western Front for um, charity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, charity house makes sense. And he bought the house for his mother-in-law. He still lives in it.
5: Oh,
7: lovely! Yeah. Shows gone up stumps, but uh, <laughs> the house is still going. No, Hello, Mr. Sage. Um, <laughs> so, Tony Sage. In this conversation, the, the punter said, "Hey, surprised he didn't go to Popovich at Melbourne Victory." This is uh, this now, is this around is an, Chris Economides, right? Okay, but you don't, don't, don't now what you've got to be careful of here, mm-hmm. Junior, mm-hmm. right? Read out word for word. Don't paraphrase because then you'll be in trouble. So Punter says, he's a real Popovich signing, Chris Economides. I'm surprised he did not go to Popovich. Tony Sage replies, we have the best young winger striker coming, only 21, much quicker than Chris. So Sage is excited about a new signing. Allegedly. Alleged new signing. Alleged Tony Sage excited. (laughs) Allegedly allegedly. excited about an alleged new signing. (laughs) Punter says, really? Can I read this part here? This one hang from, on, from alleged on. Tony Sage? Hang on, hang on. Um, Or should we paraphrase that part? It's popped up on social media. Yeah, read out. So this has gone to air on social
1: media. We're not saying it's true. No, we are not. We are just con- we are conveying con- this. No, no, sorry. I'm going to rephrase this. Chris Clafurnus, <laughs> not Tim Gossage, on SENWA, Sporting Goss, mm-hmm. is reading out. Yes. A conversation between Sony Tony Sage and some punter Yep, about who?
7: About Tony Popovich. Ex-coach of the glory. Ex-coach of the Perth glory. This is a punter. This is scurrilous what you're about to do. With an bro. alleged conversation Your with an alleged Tony r- Sage. <laughs> <laughs> so Sagey says, we have the best young winger striker coming. Only 21, much quicker than Chris. He's excited about this new signing, allegedly. I'm turning my mic off. I'm not, I'm not
1: having him to do with this. Oh, mate,
7: goes, really? Sagey says... Most of the players hated Popper. This guy goes, wow, I hated him also. Too strict. Good night. Sleeping time. Have to get up at 4.45am. Tony Sage then says, okay, okay. Victory just offered him $200,000 more than Western Sydney Wanderers. OMG! That's (laughs) $1.2 million. So Sagey, alleged Tony Sage on social media says that the victory offered him 200k more than the western sydney wanderers Right-io. which is why he's going there goss
1: okay so you're now telling us after all that conversation that tony sage has told joe punter yep. that he's telling him he ain't going to go to wanderers he's going to the victory because they're going to pay him 1.2 million dollars more
7: 200,000 more 200,000 more which add up to around 1.2 for 3 years for so 400,000 a year Yep. Okay, And Ray Gat is saying that that is what he is hearing as well. Yeah, but is he hearing it based on... Is he hearing it from that? On the Facebook <laughs> Did he message Tony Sage <laughs> on Facebook? I <laughs> don't know. <laughs> Early morning said he has to get up at 4.45. We should call Gattie. Uh, Gattie, Gatti, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, see what's what. Um, some more news as well coming through. You mentioned just before we heard from David Mundy there that Lockheed Neal had to leave training because he injured his shoulder. Well, the Brisbane Lions have released a statement just moments after you said that, actually saying that Lockie New hadn't been badly hurt. They said he fell on his shoulder, got a bit of a stinger. He's completely fine. He's going to be all right to play this weekend. Although there might not be any footy this weekend if you have your way, Goss. That is correct. Let us know what you think
1: about uh, Chris Economides going to Melbourne. Victory, we think, and not the <laughs> or the Wanderers. Or the Wanderers. Zero four eight seven seven three six seven three six. Don't say we don't talk about the glory on this show. It's eighteen past eleven. We'll come back. Harry Taylor is going to join us from Northampton next. This is the Sporting Goss.
0: Sporting Goss with Tim Gossage. It's
1: Welcome back to Sporting Goss and great to have Harry Taylor on the line, of course, from Northampton in the best parts, but does a fair bit of work in the community space and also uh, attached to the East Fremantle Football Club, fresh from playing a game the other week. Harry, appreciate your time, mate. Are you a Northampton footballer who plays part-time at East Fremantle or an East Fremantle footballer who plays full-time at Northampton?
3: Yeah, it's a good question, isn't it? Um, (laughs) I'd like to say that, um, yeah, I'd like to say I'm a little bit of both. Uh, probably my playing allegiance is a little bit stronger with Northampton at the moment, but certainly um, some of the other work I'm doing is pretty significant from, East, from an East Romano point of view. In the Midwest area, I mean, it's it's sort of not one hat over another. It's very much, you know, three or four hats all, all melded together to, to sort of create the roles that I've been playing up this way. Yeah. Uh,
1: tell us a bit about the one game down at East Romano, though, mate, kicked a goal, looked pretty good. What was it like slipping the jumper back on?
3: Yeah, it's all a little bit... Um, yeah, a little bit surreal in some ways. I've got some great memories of that time of my life playing at East Frio. We didn't, unfortunately, win too many games back then, but um, had a really, really great teacher in Shaneway Woden at the time, and Dave Dunbar was our coach, a new coach into the system. So, um, yeah, learned a lot, had a lot of great experiences at that club, and um, walking back in, seeing some of the same people that were there all that time ago, and then there's obviously quite a new, a lot of new faces Um, It was, uh, yeah, it was a fair bit of fun.
1: Who gives the biggest spray, Billy Monaghan or Chris Scott?
3: Yeah, that's... um... That's a, it's a good one. Uh, probably Bill, I dare, I dare say. Bill does get uh, pretty animated at times. <laughs> Scotty probably um, gets animated too, but does it in a in a different way to what uh, to what Bill does.
1: Yeah, Bill's a little bit old school, it is. Well, tell us a bit about the role up in Northampton and through the Midwest, which is your attachment to the East Remantle Football Club. That's their zone up there. So uh, if just your everyday role in regards to uh, the East Remantle Football Club and the Midwest Football Club.
3: Yeah, so basically it's about trying to bring a little bit more blue and white, a little bit more colour into this Midwest region from an Eastern Mantle point of view. Uh, Basically, the relationship um, has probably fallen away a little bit, to be honest, Um, in this region. You have to play for Eastern Mantle if you're from the Midwest. That's how the zoning works in WA. And, um, yeah, my job is basically to try to help that relationship prosper as much as possible. So that's from everything from making the pathway a little bit clearer and easier for kids that are under 15s and beyond that start to sort of put on the East Remantle colours, all the way up to uh, making sure that some of those senior players that might have maybe missed their first opportunity are still able to go down and play for East Remantle, represent the Midwest whilst they do that and potentially further their careers from a football point of view.
1: Yeah, so uh, when you talk about it may have lost its way or there's been a bit of a disconnect to East and through that region that you're at, is that just time and, and other uh, attractions for that sort of age group or was there basically, like a lot of the country football, clubs really thrive on their country zones or do you think it really has been a drop-the-ball moment for East I think
3: both both sides of the fence, both sort of the Midwest area and East have probably just thought um, this is going to roll on. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you look at some of the players that have come out of the area um, from my time. You know, obviously, Josh Kennedy, one of the biggest WA names to do it. Um, and there's plenty of others. Jamie Cripps had a great game on the weekend. There's, there's, there's a lot of names that have come from this way. Um, and I think probably both sides of the fence have thought that it might just keep going. Um, we know that these things take a lot of work. These things take a fair bit of effort from from both parties, and um, I guess probably from my view, I think that's what sort of happened a little bit, to be honest. Yeah.
1: Uh, AFL Rams uh, Community Support Fund is still kicking along nicely through the hard work of a a group of uh, AFL players from the region. Of course, Andrew Lockyer heading that up. I'm looking forward to to hosting and doing the auction on the 11th of August for the AFL Rams Community Support Fund to help the district surrounded by a devastated by Cyclone Saroja. That's going to be a big one.
3: Yeah, it should be great, mate. It's um, been really, really positive. The community have embraced um, the appeal in a lot of ways, and um, we've been able to raise some much-needed funds. And uh, starting to work out where the best place to best places and people to uh, to use those funds now. So it's, it's you know a significant event in the history of the Midwest, particularly Northampton, Calvary region. I mean, mm. these sort of events, cyclone events, don't happen all that often. Fortunately, um, the damage has been pretty significant, and um, you know it's now important that the money that has been raised, we can start to uh, really sort of direct in the right places.
1: What's the mood up there in Northampton, Harry, in regards to the rebuild? I know that was delayed and it was hard to get workers and there seems to be some miscommunication. Andrew Lockie was very vocal on that a couple of weeks ago. Has there been any movement in regards to the rebuild?
3: Yeah, it's sort of slow going. Um, things tend to take a little bit longer when you're 450 ks away from you know the big city. Uh, workers, what you mentioned, is probably the most significant thing, is trying to get tradies up here to actually um, administer the work or complete the work needed. That's been really difficult um, purely from an accommodation point of view to be honest, is trying to actually find accommodation for the workers. Mm-hmm. I think there's an availability of people that are willing to come but they need somewhere to sleep, they need somewhere to go and eat and those things um, are a little bit more difficult. So what has been, I guess, a bit of a saving grace is the amount of traffic that has come from Perth and although um, people are generally heading further north or east or wherever it might be. They generally go through Northampton to get there. Um, and so even a small thing like filling up your car, buying a pie, sausage roll, going to the local um, craft store to, to get something, that is helping because you're spending money in this town, which will then circulate to someone else's hand and then hopefully into the next person's hand as well.
1: For someone who hasn't been up there since the cyclone, give us. Uh, can you just paint the picture in regards to the current status of the buildings. I mean, w- when you're talking about a rebuild, and that's basically what it has become for a lot of businesses and residences as well, where are we at as a percentage? Are we, is the house 50% up and about or is it less than that? I mean, just give us a, a basic um, percentage.
3: Yeah, well, I think there was over 80 homes that were uninhabitable after wow. the, uh, the cyclone came through. So not a, not a big town. It's probably 500 people that lived within the region. Um, there is still tarps over a lot of roofs which is a sign that you know things probably aren't moving as quickly as those people might like. I know there's, there's some people that fortunately have maybe a shed or something like that where they can move into, so they basically move their, their wardrobe across and, and, and their beds and sleep in there and then you know try to use the house for other things where they need to. Um, you don't you, you need to drive through, I guess, the first part of the town and just to see the, the bottom pub, which is a bit of a historical landmark in the region. That's sort of basically... Um, uninhabitable, and, and yeah, we're not sure what's going to happen with that going forward, but that's a pretty significant symbolic uh, sign of, of the sort of devastation that was, was occurred, uh, did occur because of the cyclone.
1: How's your footy, mate? How's your footy up there for, for the Rams?
3: Uh, yeah, we're going okay. We're sort of in the four at the moment. Um, we're sort of, yeah, in the mix. We've got a, a host of injuries, which is a bit unfortunate, and that's uh, probably conversation for another day, but just to see the significant injuries at AFL level. It, it's probably the same in a lot of community clubs as well, which um, yeah, which is sort of bigger picture stuff that you and I don't need to talk about now. But um, going okay, I'm playing a bit more forward lately. Although my goal kicking probably would suggest that I go back. I kicked two goals seven on the weekend, and uh, yeah, unfortunately let us down in that regard. So um, yeah, not uh, not my finest moment. But um, got a state game coming up on Friday night. Yep. Um, state versus, state, country versus uh, state. Uh, I guess it's state metro or state city. Uh, which should be a pretty significant event. I know it's a hundred-year anniversary of the sort of amateurs in Perth, and um, yeah, I guess that's so going to be a pretty good game of footy.
1: Ah, so you're lining up for that one? Or you're already where, where's that game being played?
3: Uh, that's going to be played down at Fremantle Oval. Nice, think, nice. Uh, about seven o'clock on Friday night. All right, so there the you go. game first, and then a senior game after that. Oh, pretty. Um, yeah, really looking really, really looking forward to the opportunity to to play and represent the the country area where I um, you know, obviously have a lot of friends and family and I'm very passionate about.
1: How's the statue coming along?
3: Uh, not too bad. I'm pretty happy with mine, actually. Got, uh, fortunately, being in the area, I had a bit of a say of what do I look like. <laughs> um, but, um, no, they're, uh, they're all going really well. And I think they're not too far away of locking in a date and a place of where they're going to be put and then unveiled. So a um, matter of trying to get all the boys that are uh, represented up there at some point. Um, you know, probably, obviously, after the season it'll be easier. Mm. But um, mm. yeah, it'll be a pretty significant event for the Northampton community, and I know they're very, very proud of their players that have gone on to, to play AFL footy.
1: So that should be last one. I know you got a meeting to go into just really quickly. Did you come down and watch the boys, uh, the old cats, uh, do a job on Fremantle the other week? Did you get around? Get around them? Were you allowed to get around them?
3: No, I wasn't allowed to get around them. I was planning to go along and um, yeah, spend a bit of time with them. Obviously, loved the boys and spent so much time with my. Um, yeah, football life at the Geelong Football Club, but uh, unfortunately they got off a plane, had to go straight to their rooms. weren't allowed to leave till I think about twelve o'clock the next day, and uh, unfortunately couldn't go see them. So I went along like the most of the other supporters, albeit mate, I was a bit of a mess. I couldn't get into the gate. I didn't know how to use a ticket. Um, one of the one of the parts of being an AFL player is you're very lucky to generally just get straight into the into the ground and, and go from there, but. I couldn't get in I couldn't scan in and when I finally did I had no idea where my seat was but um, yeah nice to actually go and watch a game of footy and enjoy it like everyone else does uh, it's, uh, it's a lot bigger than I thought from the other side of the fence
8: yeah well
1: you're a grassroots man mate that's what we like about you you're a very simple bloke with simple needs in life uh, look forward to seeing you on August 11 for the big event uh, looking forward to uh, being a part of that a big fundraiser it's already sold out but if anyone wants to donate some great goods or want to support through uh, some sponsorship get in touch with the AFL Rams, get, get on to um, the Facebook and maybe uh, tra- track down Andrew Lockie or any one of the other nine uh, players from the region. Looking forward to August 11. Should be a big fundraiser for those affected in the areas for, by Cyclone Roger Harry, appreciate your time. Great chat. We could chat all day about life. You're a fantastic uh, ambassador for your area, for East Sermandall, for Northampton and for Geelong. Thanks for your time and have a great day and we'll see you on August 11.
3: No worries. Thanks, Goss. Cheers.
1: There he is. Harry Taylor joining us on Sporting Goss.
0: Sporting Goss with Tim
1: Gossage. Welcome back. 25 away from 12. Pretty wet and wild at the moment. 13.2 degrees. Doesn't look like it's going to get much hotter in Perth. Rain developing 16. 10 mils of rain today. 20 degrees tomorrow with more showers and a shower or two Thursday and 18 degrees. So it's going to rain for the next couple of days. In a moment... Ask Simo. He does a segment where he's asked questions by yours truly, uh, courtesy of the fans. And uh, we've heard from David Mundy in the Fremantle Football Club. We will uh, we might replay uh, Ask Simo, which was recorded yesterday after their win in Adelaide. And uh, going forward, he chats about Connor West and his form. Don't forget, the lines are always open for you. 13 12 55 with 0487 736 736. If you missed any of our interviews, you can always get in touch in the podcast catch up. SEN.com.au, download the SEN app or wherever you get your podcast. Check out Sporting Goss on the app provider, podcast provider. A break, Tyson Beattie, not too far away. We're talking star-spangled banter. That is on the way. Tomorrow, Game 6, the Suns and the Bucks. The Bucks up 3-2 in the NBA Finals. This is the Sporting Goss.
0: Sporting Goss with Tim Gossage. Ah it's times like this, you
1: learn to live again. Uh, that time again of course of the week on a Tuesday. Star Spangled Band to All Things American US Sport and a man who arrived with the Subiaco umbrella. It's Tyson Beattie. The story there. <laughs> it's, it's a golf umbrella. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised
6: you picked that up. That's no, a golf umbrella. I'm thinking the f- these these colours are not, not the colours I'd normally sport, but that's okay. Is it brown or maroon? It's blue, brown or maroon. It's technically Brisbane Lions colours. So <laughs> you, you're, you're fishing there. So.
1: <laughs> uh, I'm excited about game six. I haven't really got into the NBA. I'm Whoa, not a wh- huge NBA fan. Why? But, um, Because I reckon they just, it's like US golf. And mate, the sport is—they travel, they foul, they just shoot from downtown. Skill level overrated, and it's a bit like US golf. The courses are far too easy. European gosh, golf is way
6: gosh, better. you got me on this program to talk up and talk about it. Talk sport. it up! But, I don't have to sit there and roll over for you, mate. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You gotta admit this is a fantastic final series. I'm putting this up there with one of the best final series in the last 20 years. Probably the best since. The Warriors and Cavs went to Game 7, that famous victory in which Kyrie Irving hit oh, a three yeah. in the last minute to win the Cavs' yep. uh, first title for 50 years. So it's, I, I think it's right up there, and hopefully there'll be a Game 7. Well, if you're hoping as a neutral, you want a Game 7.
1: All right, let us know. Do you agree or disagree with our man Tyson Beattie? Tyson said it's one of the great series of all time. I think it's a bit ho-hum, personally. Have you watched any of it? Yeah, I watched the game the other day. Okay. Zero four eight seven seven three six seven three. Six. Um, I did like um, Billy Holiday.
6: No, no, Drew Holiday. Drew I liked him. He was yeah, good. Yeah, yeah.
7: <laughs> <laughs> he was good.
6: <laughs> Drew Holiday had the key steal at the end of the game, which yes. led to the alley oop that, that uh sealed the victory for the. What about the alley oop? It was sensational, and then it was also uh, an N one,
1: so he went to the, the foul line. Actually, missed the the, the foul shot. But don't look, go on there. I, I, you, speak, uh, you, I am putting it you, Chris Lafunas, <laughs> sorry, best producer in the business, and my friend. That's bad. Um, can you get? Me, Giannis Antetokounmpo, talking about being humble, please. We'll play that here in this segment because I think the segment needs lift. Um <laughs> Tell me about Drew Holiday again. Well, Drew, we talked about Drew Holiday. You said what are a
6: couple of players to watch yes. in the NBA Finals Series you not might not have talked. I talked about Cameron Payne for the Suns and Drew Holiday, who's not he's you know, he's still a big player, but he has played fantastic in, in, in the last couple of games and has been a big factor of why they're three two up in the series. Mm-hmm. It's unusual for a team to turn around two zero down and be on the verge of winning a series. So this is pretty significant for the Bucks.
1: How bad a free-throw shooter is Giannis Antetokounmpov for, for a superstar of the game, dual MVP last two years? Very poor. Very, very poor. Well, and he poor. does this. Sometimes when I'm watching the, and I look up and I say, oh, he's on the free-throw line and he's practicing. He does that. He he envisions, you know, shooting it, and he got this style. But as soon as he gets the ball in his hand, that whole style goes out the door. Well, it's like Razor Ray Chamberlain. When he tries to bounce a ball, it's the
6: same thing. He does that (laughs) little warm-up, and then when he actually bounces it, it doesn't go the way he wants it to. He's got small arms, mate. (laughs) Very small arms. Unlike Giannis, who has very long arms. Very long arms. Look, Shaq had terrible... uh, form from the foul line. Look, it's it's a thing that happens to players. It is very mental. You might have seen behind the the, the ring, the opposition fans are counting upward, one, two, three, because he takes
1: a really long time. Yeah. That's probably got did into his head as well. Did you see the guy counting well? $100 bills? <laughs> How funny was that? That was good. Anyway, his last laugh was Giannis Antetokounmpo. Of course, he did play a full game. Well, he did, but he actually
6: uh, – it's interesting because the 40 minutes and 35 seconds yeah. that he was on the court – he actually, the Suns actually outscored them by seven points in that in that oh, stretch. That's only, that's he's quite rated then. That's only happened. <laughs> <laughs> that's the first time that's happened in this series. But it goes to show you that the Bucks have other weapons that help them win. Middleton and PJ Tucker. They've got a few players that have really stepped up.
1: Were Tucker and Chris Paul teammates?
6: Yes. That, they yeah. Were yeah. Former yeah, teammates.
1: Yeah. Where was that?
6: Uh, I think it was at Houston, wasn't it? Chris no, no he would know. No, I think it no, was. It was I think, soccer mate, that, wrong guy. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> he, he knows. I should have known <laughs> the last name. <laughs> <laughs> We've got Vlahos, we got Kofunas. <laughs> I and, know. we right. got Gossage. Gossage, that's The Frenchman. It.
1: Yeah. Uh, okay. Now, uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo had this to say post-game. Um, so the leading 3-2, the Bucks. he spoke beautifully about staying humble. This is the Greek freak. This is enlightening. Have a listen to this about his journey, basketball journey, and why he doesn't beat his chest after big performances.
3: I think uh, I'll say <laughs> Life. Usually, let me tell you this from my experience, right? Like, when I think about, like, oh, yeah, I'm, I did this, I, you know, I, I'm so great, I had uh, 30, I had 25, 10, and 10, or whatever the case might be, because right. you're gonna think about that, oh, we want this and that. Usually, the next day, you're gonna suck. Right. You know, uh, simple <laughs> as that. You, like, the next few days, you're gonna be terrible. When you focus on the past, that's your ego. Yeah, I did this in the past, I want that in the past. Right. And when I focus in the future, it's my pride, like, yeah next game game 5 i do this and this and this right. you know i'm going to that's your pride target i kind of like try to focus in the you know in the moment in the present and that's
4: humility
6: Fascinating, isn't it? I mean, a real different face, a different voice in the NBA. We're very used to the outspoken, outlandish kind of American athlete. He's not like that at all, is he? I mean, I think he speaks fantastically. And what a great lesson for youngsters as
1: well. Very much so. Okay, so we go into Game 7. You talk about extending the series. So the game, that goes back to Milwaukee, do not it? Those last two games in Milwaukee, are they not?
6: Uh, no, so they they do this weird thing where it's two two one one one. So the, oh, yeah, so so what? yes, you're right. The next game is in Milwaukee, but the last one is in Phoenix. What? So if they force I... so a game seven, it'll be back to Phoenix. So, so Phoenix for... has the Who... home court advantage. They'll oh. have four out of the seven games if it oh. reaches a seventh game. Right. So they're going to go all the way back across the other side of the country.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not being silly. No, no, I'm not. Tyson, please stay with me. It's your segment. But I was trying to convince everyone that I've been speaking to, oh, it's over now. The Bucks will win at 4-2, 4-3 because they, that, uh, uh, 4 no, you're, it,
6: you're making a good point because they have the home court yes. advantage in Milwaukee oh. for this one game. But if Phoenix wins and they force a game seven, it'll yeah. go back to Phoenix. Remember, we talked last week or the week before about home court advantage in you the didn't playoffs. Did last week? You were soft and you were crook. Seventy percent of home court teams have won the NBA finals. I'm it's sick. a huge advantage.
4: Yeah.
6: Look, game six. You're right. Yeah. It should be Milwaukee's. Yeah, well, but if Phoenix force weird. a game seven, you'd have to say they've got the advantage.
1: That's why I'm not into this series because it's just not. It's just not normal. I, I do normal. Okay, everything has to be normal. My day has to be normal. <laughs> this okay? is coming from you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> what else do you like in this... Well, we, we're
6: talking about the where it stands up in the history. The, the ratings are really high for this. I've, I, I don't know if people are interested in rating, TV ratings. We're media men, aren't we? Talk, we're talking too much about TV ratings. They're way up for this series, which is unusual because they're low, small market teams. Milwaukee's a tiny town. Phoenix is not a majorly big market, so we don't have an LA or a New York or a Boston. Mm-hmm. But it's clear that fans are loving the storylines in this NBA playoffs. And whoever wins it is going to have some kind of fairy tale that the fans in the neutrals will enjoy. Are you
1: surprised at our man Trevor Gleeson's? going to the States and getting a gig there.
6: Not at all. I reckon I reckon Tre- Trevor's been hoping for this for, for many, many years. The contacts and connections he makes mm. in the NBA Summer League over a long period of time, they're, they're obviously impressed with, with who he is. Remember, as an NBA coach, you can come from nowhere to be an NBA coach. Eric Spolstra was the video guy, Right? He, he cut video. He's edit, a dark-headed bloke, isn't he? From Miami Heat. He yeah. was a video editor.
8: Yeah.
6: Right, Didn't play in the NBA. He's the senior coach of the NBA. You'd never see that in the no. AFL, would you? No.
1: And uh, What about where's Unheld? What's happened to him?
6: So he's the last of the vacancies. Unselled. Yeah, so Unselled Jr. Actually, where's Unselled Jr. So he's <laughs> the new head coach of the Washington Wizards. There was eight teams that had to fill vacancies. He's the last one. A good story, again, came from a long way back to get that senior coaching position. And Damien Lillard. Yeah, I was looking at Damien Lillard. You've been looking up at some of the, the highlights of the US team. Playing um, Spain on it. Getting ready. Now, they knocked off Spain and, and Lillard played very well. Nice on is it? Yeah, he, no, yeah, the game's done and dusted. So he scored 19. Um, <laughs> look at your time. What time is it today? It's a 10 to 12. Well,
1: why are they playing live now? When... <laughs> What's the time over there now? I don't get the time, mate. You know what? I told you, I've you, I said this to you a thousand times. I've said it to people a thousand times. Yeah. I don't know the geography of America. They say, "Oh, I cross in such and such." I don't know where the I don't know where the East Coast are. I don't know where the West Coast is. I don't know where New York is. I don't know where Washington is. I and it's not out of disrespect. I just have no interest. But in it's it. not rocket science. It's, I know it's, that there's twelve hour time. Mate, do you reckon the Americans know where Perth is? <laughs> Good
6: point. That's why. That's we're more point. educated sporting sporting public than them. Now, Damien Lillard. So th- there has been some trade rumours about him. He's denied them. Yep. So I think he's going to stay with Portland uh, Trail Blazers. He's under contract till 23, 24 anyway. All
1: right. Now, what about our man Liam Hendricks? Now, someone sent us a text uh, the other day and said you've got to talk this up. This is a pretty significant moment.
6: Yeah, I, lo- I love talking about Liam Hendricks. As, as you know, he's a he's a great Perth local yep. kid. He won the WA uh, the national championships mm. for WA in the school boys. Only time WA's ever won it back in two thousand four. There's a silly fact for you. No, it's a good fact. He made the All-Star team for the second time, only the first ever uh, major leaguer from Australia to to play in two all-star games and he had a save. Do you know what a save is, Goss? Yep. What is it?
1: Yep. It's when you dive and you stop the ball from going to the boundary.
6: It's when a pitcher comes in at the end of the game and finishes <laughs> off a game. I'm going on the back is, of the finishes, onion bag. You've got the lead, you win. Okay. <laughs> the funny thing was, the funny thing was that we can't play this audio because it's just not appropriate Why? for you. Because there's quite a few F-bombs oh, in it. Oh, who was, was it? he Liam Hendricks. Was he was a, swearing. He was mic'd up on the mound because all-star games, you chat to the commentators, you had yep. a bit of fun. Yep. But he said, the mic's not working, the mic's not working. So then he just starts F-bombing and just saying all these random sort of Aussie slang and terms and air. stuff like that. And it went to air.
7: Oh,
1: wow. Yeah. Anyway, yep. it can't be to And we all know that Jeff Hendricks is probably the most famous out of the, the, the all the Hendricks you know who Jeff Hendricks
6: is? He played for West Perth, Perth nineteen seventy-five yep, Premiership yep, player. Yep, was part of that in West Perth. Yeah, yep. played uh, about one hundred and seventy games. Bad knees. Yeah. News. Well, Liam was a pretty good junior footballer as well. He might win something called the Cy Young Award, which is like the MLB MVP for the for the pitchers. We'll see that.
1: Is there anything else? Is there a second page to this segment, or is it just getting smaller? What are you talking about? We're well, Normally, we're you, you had this bit where you had the well, – had the been bit, talking for ages. Yeah, but you, you came in a couple of weeks or several weeks ago, and you go, oh, I want to put this in about, you know, blokes, Americans saying the wrong thing. Well, I
6: wanted to put this in, but then I didn't think it was appropriate. I thought I'd oh, get in trouble with you. So No,
1: well, we could have bipped it out. We've got technology here at SEN. You're putting a bit of pressure on Chris late in the yeah. in the program. no so it's nothing like preparing. Nothing like being a – you know, when you're preparing your own segment, you give us a bit of a heads up in regards to what you're going to talk about. Um you should do an American sports segment on this show. You should pitch hard.
6: How, how, do, how do I go about that? Because that would be
1: very exciting. Speak to management. Okay. You are management? Yeah, I am. I am S-E-N. You have a fair bit of power in this place. <laughs> <Al>. <laughs> hey, if I can survive on air as long as I have, I must have some pull. Thanks for coming in. Thanks, guys. There it is. Star Spangled Bandit with our man Tyson Beatty. He joins us each and every Tuesday. He knows his stuff. What was the award you won in the college? The, the award that I won. Yeah, didn't you win a puntering award or something? No, I won an All Conference award. I was like an All Star. Right. Yeah, what was it?
6: It's called the All Big Ten Punter of the Year. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it wasn't that significant. It's okay. It's
1: significant, mate. College ball. I'm a big college ball fan. Let's get a away, come back, wrap things up. Thanks for coming in, Tyson. Thanks for Sporting Goss.
0: Sporting Goss with Tim gossage. It's time.
1: Thanks for your company today. Been a big show, just reiterating the news. Of course, the West Coast fever. Our netballers are stuck in Perth, not going to South Australia because of the border lockdown there. And who knows what's happening with our Suncourt Super Netball season. Port Adelaide and Adelaide are making a hasty exit to Victoria. Uh, and they do believe that the Port Adelaide Collingwood game will be played over there now. It's just chaos. No one knows exactly what's going on. So keep your ear and eye out on all the socials. Keep an eye and an ear out here on SEN and listen to all of our shows throughout on all our uh, platforms, of course. And you'll hear the latest in regards to the future of the AFL and all the other sporting codes. Back on your radio tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock, of course. Thanks very much to Nigel, who stepped in, and Nims, who set things up over there on pressing the buttons. Well, nice work by you guys. Thanks to Chris Clifunis, Special K, for all his great work. Tomorrow, Hammerbray, sure, all things waffle. He's the captain of the West Coast Eagles waffle, but more importantly, he talks about all things waffle. Georgie Parker, she will join us. She's on the verge of uh, commentating on the Olympics. Uh, she'll be uh, broadcasting and telecasting the... Hockey, of course, based in Melbourne. We'll have a racing interview to You, of course, always gamble responsibly racing at Belmont. And anything else that breaks, we'll have it all here first. Breaking news is what we do. A reminder, write these numbers down. You can always get in touch with us. 0487 736 736 or call 13 12 55. Lockie Neil shoulder injury not too serious. Peter Vlahos in from five and drive. He'll keep you updated with all the breaking news that is on SENWA. Thanks for your company. Stay safe, stay dry. Currently 13 degrees, heading for a top of 16. Back tomorrow from 10. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call thirteen twenty one ninety one.